Hey everybody, Veteran Lucas here. Now before we begin this episode, just a disclaimer, we had a couple of issues with audio this week. We're going to get them all fixed up for next episode, but I just want to give you guys the quick so if you feel things are a little funny, yeah, it was on our end. We apologize. We're currently fixing it, so we still hope you enjoy the episode anyway. Have fun, guys! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Science of Pokemon. If you're just joining us for the first time, hello. My name is Veteran Lucas, and with us, as always, is Professor Collins. How you doing, Professor? You know what? We're we're on baby watch. Uh, if 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 baby does not come on its own, uh, it will be forced to come this weekend. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we're we we loved the diapers so much the first time. Why not do it again? Well, congratulations to you. I really do. That's, yeah. I, I do. I sincerely mean it. That that's awesome, dude. All right. So for those of you listening, uh, me and the professor, we both have our different topics that we love. For him, it's his social science and economics. For me, I love the natural world. So we decided that this month and next month, we're going to focus on our two favorite topics. So I'm going to go first on mine. Now, professor, what do you think is one of my favorite types of animals to discuss? Raccoons. No, not raccoons. Further down the evolutionary line, something oh, that lives in oh, water. Okay. Um, sea anemone, 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 anemones. Wow. No, a little higher up. Still, you're on the right track, though. So higher. Hold on. Hold on. Higher than sea anemone. Orca. A little lower, because dolphins scare me. We are going to be talking about. Why do Why do they scare you? Like what? That is a discussion we are not ready to have, my friend. Dolphins are scary creatures. There's okay. A reason orcas, there's a reason orcas have the name killer whale. Let's leave it at that. We're not going to be talking about what orcas eat and what many animals eat, and that is fish. Um, fish are one of these animals that tend to crop up just about by anybody who's ever lived in water. We take them for granted because they've been everywhere, but they really are one of the most important and key parts of the ecosystems of the world, and they take that step in Pokemon as well. So this episode, I'm going to be teaching you guys, including you, Professor, all about the world of fish and what makes them so absolutely unique, even in their own different ways amongst other fish. <sighs> you know what? Let's uh, let's krill it. <laughs> you did that pun on porpoise. Cue the music. All right. So before we get into this, uh, Professor, can you tell me what exactly a fish is? Oh, I know this. Okay. So a fish is the nickname of that girl in high school. Something about no, a smell. No. Wait, what? No. I'm not letting you go any further than that. <laughs> Alright, so with fish, uh, it's a really weird question to ask somebody what a fish is. You might as well ask them what air is. It's something so commonplace to us to think about fish existing that we forget that we there are some people that really don't know how to describe them. Um, fish are animals that are found... A fish is a fish, duh. Yes, a fish is a fish, but what exactly makes that fish? Fish are basically just vertebrate animals that have decided to stay in the water. They possess the ability to breathe oxygen through the water, and they have the various appendages and utensils and all these different parts needed to utilize that and survive in some of the most primitive conditions on this planet, the ones that have been around the longest. Now, the first fish showed up around 510 million years ago. This thing looked like 
a worm with bony plates. It had no jaw. It was a weird little thing. But over time, this animal would grow and expand and differentiate. And eventually, you get an army of different fish, thousands of species over the eons. And they've been around the oceans a very, very, very long time. Now, to discuss all these groups of fish would take an eternity. Because talking about fish is just so expensive i could talk about one singular group of fish as an entire podcast so we're going to focus on three of the groups of fish um and these are all fish that can be found in the pokemon game in one way or another so first off let's oh, talk there's about my Nemo, favorite there's dory um there's gill silence this is my domain quiet you so the first animal we'll be talking about the first group of fish are my favorite Sharks and rays. Hey, we have something in common for once. We do. Yeah, for once. I love sharks. They're the best. Yeah, I want to, like, hug them. I mean, they, they don't want you to hug them. They have cute little white bellies. They do have cute little white bellies, but that's for camouflage, not hugging. Uh, the sharks and rays, uh, most people don't realize that sharks and stingrays and manta rays are all related. Uh, they're part of a group called the Elasmobranchii. Uh, they have been around for about 435 million years. Um, the idea that they've gone unchanged, though, is it, it's, it's dumb. It's really dumb. These animals have been changing constantly. There were giant sharks in the past, but there's also sharks with like buzzsaw-like teeth. There were sharks that were smaller than your hand. There are sharks that are still smaller than your hand. Wait, so you're telling me that Shark Week lied to me? Shark Week is a pile of lies that I could get into. That thing is (laughs) garbage. Like most of the people I worked at the aquarium, we don't even watch it anymore because it is just, just awful. Now, most of these animals do share something in common. They are all made of cartilage. So the same stuff as your nose and ears. It's right down to the bone. Uh, they are constantly um, growing animals. They are always going to have rougher scales, even if some of them have mucus on them. And they're almost all carnivorous, except for a couple of exceptions like whale sharks and manta rays that eat plankton and krill. Uh, the next group are going to be the bony fish, the ray-finned fish. Now, when I say bony fish, people think, well, where am I going to find a fish with all these bones? That's, that's literally almost every fish. 28,000 species of bony fish exist in the ocean today. Keep in mind wait, wait, wait. that all the... Yeah. How many? 28,000 species. Holy crap. Yeah, to quote the bad Godzilla movie, that's a lot of fish. <laughs> uh, these... Remember what we said, that there are 69,000 vertebrate animal species that we know of. Wait, wait. So about two-fifths of oh, them. Six, oh, I wanted to do that. You stole my math. I stole your math, yes. Two-fifths of all the vertebrate animals are fish and specifically these bony fish now they lack digits they have the fins that we know of today they have a swim bladder which allows them to hover in the water and these animals have one of the highest levels of diversity so you can find them massive as the sunfish or as tiny as a guppy Uh, they are found just about any which way you can go and any bit of water you can go so it's really not gonna i'm not gonna go the whole day describing them 
Um, the next you ever want to talk about is one that's a very small species count, only a few dozen at most. Um, and these are going to be the lobed fin fish, uh, home to the coelacanth. Now, the coelacanth is the inspiration for relicanth in the Pokemon game, the ancient fish that people discovered on accident. Um, with relicanth and coelacanth, they were discovered on accident by explorers. Um, the big defining oh. feature for them... Wait, wait, oh, wait. Yeah. I know that story from school. They were... Uh... So they were that fish, right? And everyone thought they were, like, extinct. And, like, someone, like, found them. They're like, oh, hey, Joe's been here the whole time. Pretty much. Um, what happened was a European woman who was um, also majoring in sciences was walking along the shores of South Africa and found at the fishing uh, market the coelacanth just sitting there being carved up and served to people as food. And she nearly lost it. Like, where did you get this? Where did you fish this? Why isn't this dead? What's going on? Why isn't this possible? <laughs> and they were able to find them. Um, the big defining feature for them are their fins. Uh, the fins have digits in them. Same as your hands, same as a dolphin's flippers, same as almost every single animal that walked onto the land. These animals are some of the closest um, relatives to us that live on land. So they are the almost like the starter kit for fish transitioning onto the land, making them a very, very cool fish. Now to go into adaptations, aside from breathing underwater, super important by the way, um, most fish are pretty flexible with how they can design themselves. Uh, with birds, you pretty much have to be designed for flight or something extreme like running, say an ostrich, but for fish, oh, as long as you're able to breathe water and move around, you're good, you can do whatever you want. So that's how you get crazy stuff like whatever tuna. You want. Yeah, whatever you want. That's how you get tuna, megalodon. That's how you get sunfish. That's how you get the animals living in the deep, dark trenches. Speaking of the trenches, the pressure down there is enough to crush you like a grape, and it's pitch black with no light. The fish were like, yo, not a problem. Let me just condense my skeleton down, make myself lighter, and allow myself to make my own lights, and I'll survive just fine. Wait, I saw um, that the biggest... in, the, in uh, Finding Nemo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Finding Nemo used biologists to make that film, so most of its scientific information is pretty good. Uh, what's really cool for fish is the transition to freshwater. They had to learn how to get salinity into their body. They had to learn how to go from an environment with too much salt to an environment with no salt in order to survive. So a lot gets done with these amazing animals. And, I mean, we recognize them today. Humans have been around fish for really long time yes okay so uh yeah uh let's talk about humans and fish uh, all right so when i i'm gonna say i because i don't know if everyone else does this i only know what i do but when i teach history we always talk about uh human civilizations and why they exist and one of the things we talk about is what needs human have what needs humans have there we go <clears throat> sorry you can tell it's been a long day um oh yeah yeah baby on the way long day at work it's it's we're getting there mm -hmm. um so anyways uh we we examine the things that humans need access to water you know transportation rich soil and abundant food source and one of the great things or one of the commonalities we know with most early civilizations is they're near water and fish is one of those things that humans have been you know hunting and fishing I mean, over 40,000 years, you know, it's one of the wow. main way we get one of the main ways we get protein as a species. Um, and, you know, fishing can be done, you know, on <clears throat> the back of a boat or on a massive scale. And we look at, you know, uh, how we fish 
and the effects on mm-hmm. it. I just want want everyone to think for a second because, uh, you know, especially after reading, uh, and this will tell you when we are recording this, <laughs> in the paper yesterday uh, about Nestle admitting that you know their use of slave labor. I, I just I, I I always employ everyone, students, friends, to really think about the costs of you getting cheap products. And as Americans, we want cheap and available fish when we want it, when we demand it. And there are negative downfalls to that for developing countries. You know, they're taking away food sources they need. You know, we're, we there has been slavery found in the fishing industry. Um, I mean, you know, this industry is worth over $90 billion, which is a lot of money. And the thing is, though, as humans, we have not reached the Star Trek uh, civilization yet. We're not at that point where we are going to put the needs of everyone above our own desires for profit. We're not there. And because we do that, you know, we are harming the waterways uh, through overfishing. And what's happening is we're seeing things like reefs or entire ecosystems uh, just being decimated. And, you know, if we lose huge amounts of fish, you know, it is going to lead to ecological disasters, which eventually will, you know, put the economy at a halt anyways. You know, it's one of those things that we have to be cautious about. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was raised, you know, my grandfather, the original Professor Collins, um, you know, he loved to fish. You know, he had a fishing boat. We'd go fishing. I grew up with fish. I love fish still. Um, but, you know, we, we talk about sustainable fishing in our house, and it's something that I think people really need to be aware of, that there are long-term consequences to our actions. Oh, yeah. It's what we teach about at the aquarium as well, the effects that fishing has even now. It's not even like it's collapsing in the future. We're already yeah, seeing the well, signs. I mean, even near you in the Gulf, uh, there are there are lots of negative effects to the overfishing. And I, I think people just need to be aware of that you know, for everything that we get cheap, there is a negative cost, a negative effect associated with it. On a positive note, though, uh, you know, fish oils are really beneficial for us and our bodies. Um, the proteins fish give us are, are really good. You know, there is a reason that Japan is one of the healthiest countries in the world. There, There is a reason. And, you know, yes, they have lots of vegetables in their diet uh, and grain but you know they also have a lot of seafood there, there's a reason you know, they have very healthy people yeah so yeah a lot of relationships with humans and fish one way or the other they've affected each other so now that we've gotten all the facts out of the way now we've gotten all the science and our message about the ecosystem let's talk about some pokemon yay <laughs> All right, so you cannot have a discussion about fish in Pokemon World without talking about my main fish, Magikarp. Yes, I know I know you love it because you are that jerk who has the Magikarp suit at all the conventions. That is true. I do dress up in an orange suit and a Magikarp mask running around messing with people. I've got some fun stuff planned for this year, but that, that's a personal hobby. Uh, now, Magikarp... <laughs> is no stranger to being talked about on science about video games. Everyone talks about him as he's, wait, he's either so weak that he shouldn't exist or hang on, maybe he's the most dangerous Pokemon of all. And now 
He is none of these things. Let's admit it. Magikarp is weak, flops around, and can barely attack anything when compared to the other Pokemon. When there are gods that can rip open the universe, Magikarp is just a fish. But many people take it for granted about what being just a fish can do. Um, have you ever heard of a term called fecundity? No, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> so fecundity is what we use in um, ecology to, um, uh, to talk about reproductive rate. With the reproductive rate of fish, there are some fish like um, sharks who can only put about one or two babies in. Then you have fish like Magikarp and other carps that can put in tens of thousands of eggs. So think of it this way. When you go fishing in Unova with your old rod, what are you going to find? Uh, Magikarp. What about Sinnoh? Magikarp. Kalos, Alola, Johto, oh, Kanto. Wait, but in Unova, it's not there. Ah, that's true. Until Black and White 2, which they did put it in. So uh, it somehow finds a way every time. You uh, see, carp get everywhere when you let them loose. Magikarp may not be the strongest, but man, he can put so many other Magikarp in the water that it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter how many Magikarp you fish out because there will always be more of them. And there's just so many. Eventually, those tackles are gonna add up and those tackles add up in the real world as well. You live near the Great Lakes. You know firsthand what these carp can do. Yeah, um, well, they're pretty nasty. You know, we, uh, I, I always think of the, the Asian carp, which it, now that you talk about the <clears throat> Magikarp here, and I think about the breeding rate, it's 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 pretty brutal. Um, Asian carp, for those of you who don't know, are intrusive to uh, Mississippi and the Mississippi River, as well as other American rivers, and are slowly making their way into the Great Lakes. And they are a massive nuisance because there is like no way to kill them. And they just reproduce like crazy amounts. And yeah, they just destroy every ecosystem they come in contact with. <laughs> to make it even worse, they don't even taste that good, so we can't even fish them. And there's been, they have a kill list. They have a death count on people who've died because they've jumped into the boat. They're big and heavy, smacked them in the face, and they're just down for the count. So people can. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have seen a video before of a guy who was on the boat because the Asian carp, uh, they get annoyed by noise, so they jump into the air. And they had a flamethrower, and that's how they were killing them as they were jumping into the air. I mean, they, they, they really weren't exaggerating in that anime episode where they're talking about how much they reproduce. That is dangerous, cruel, and kind of awesome. But it goes to be saying, Magikarp is everywhere. Because they, it's millions, right? Like, like, like generations, you just have thousands and thousands and thousands. Carp are everywhere. Like, you don't go messing with Magikarp because for every one you take down, there's always going to be one watching and they will never forget. <laughs> now, onto the next fish. These guys do not have a high reproductive rate at all. It's one of the reasons why they're threatened species. We're going to talk about uh, Mantine. Now, we touched a little bit on Mantine in our poison podcast. We were saying that Mantine might be a ray, but it's not a stingray. It doesn't have the venom. Uh, manta rays are 
massive animals that feed primarily on plankton. Um, just like Mantine in the game, there's a lot of really cool similarities. Uh, they both jump out of the water either to because they like it or because they're knocking off parasites. They will eat plankton, both of them swim very slowly in the water. Um, they're both animals that usually are going to be swim found in some schools, not massive ones, but it's cool to see that they just took an animal and said, no, just give it a new paint job, let it spit water from its mouth, and that's a Pokemon for you. Now, a couple things they messed up on, or just exemplified, so they can jump, but Mantine can jump about 300 feet in distance, which is three blue whales. That's not a thing that can happen with these guys. They can build up speed, they can jump, but not that far. <laughs> they literally jump over football fields. <laughs> Yeah, that's effectively what you're dealing with is just like people say wow 300 feet that's that sounds big but not too big right no no like i am six feet tall so let's let's just take a whole bunch of me's and line them up <laughs> that that's 300 feet is ridiculous um the other thing they get wrong is their skin so despite the fact that they are related to sharks their skin is actually not that rough um it's soft it's slick it's smooth that's because while they may have skin similar to a shark they are covered in mucus that allows them to protect themselves from disease. Now, attached to a mantine is a remoraine in almost every depiction, every artwork, and that is because manta rays are often flooded by a fish called the remora. Now, the remora is a sucker fish of sorts where its upper fin has adapted to be able to stick on to solid surfaces. So that means that it can latch on to manta rays, whale oh. sharks, and other larger predators. Oh. Uh, you know what? And I remember, and you can do this too, actually. You at mm -hmm. home, not not you, yeah. Lucas. Not no, me. not better than okay. Lucas. Um, no. Uh, when we were talking about manta rays last time, I googled pictures because I was like, wait, what? How would you get that confused with a stingray? They don't look anywhere near alike. And uh, the rem I saw, I think like Google Images, it was like some of the first ten pictures had remoras on. Them. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a almost like symbiotic parasitic lifestyle going where they will just latch on and eat the leftovers behind for them they usually never are going to harm the fish that they're attached to but they can get annoying which is why manta rays will often jump out of the water and it's thought to knock them off now remoras are cool enough on their own but they decided to fuse it with another fish um they fused it with the archer fish and before you say it phrasing Danger Zone. So I was just going to go with Danger Zone. This like, is I, how we get ants. <laughs> is this how you want Pokemon podcasts? Because this is how you get Pokemon podcasts. Uh, I do love that show. If you're under the age of, uh, I don't know what, 14, don't watch it. Anyway, <laughs> with with um, the Archer Fish, it's not found in the ocean. It's found in river systems. Uh, what it does is it will wait near the surface for bugs to be standing on leaves. Its eyes are designed to see through the water and at the leaves, and to knock it down, it will take in water and shoot a stream of it. Think of it almost like weaponized spitting in order to get it down. Now, keep in mind, when you're shooting through water, it's not easy. Think of all the action movies with bad guys shooting through the water. It becomes very, very difficult to pierce through that water because well, you can't see your target. You can shoot all you want, but the light is refracted just enough that you're not going to be able to hit them. This fish, this little animal, can calculate that through water, distance, lighting, all of that to make the perfect shot. They will wait for hours for the perfect setup to knock down their prey. Now, again, 
for some reason, Pokemon has the obsession with the number 300 because it says in the Pokedex that they can shoot 300 feet away from them. Again, not a thing. The last thing I want to worry about and when I go swimming in a river are fish that are going to snipe me in the back of the head with a 360 no-scope from its mouth. He thought it was safe to go into the water. He thought he was safe taking a swim. He was wrong. <laughs> he was dead wrong. Archerfish. <laughs> hey, if this podcast doesn't turn out, we're just going to make B-list movies for sci-fi. We will make a killing. There we go. We have a career. Ah, <laughs> oh, good stuff. All right, so away from the first two generations, we're actually going to skip all the way to the most recent generation and talk about Wishiwashi. For those of you who aren't with, familiar with the newer generations, totally understandable. Wishiwashi is a fish that somehow makes Magikarp look like a stronger Pokemon. Like, Wishiwashi is this tiny, little, sad fish. It looks like it's always crying, but it has the ability school. Now, schooling allows for it at level 20, every time it shows up in a battle, it will call in its friends and form this massive, hulking monstrosity fish made out of smaller fish. It's delightfully terrifying, especially when you're fighting it in the trial. What makes this thing so cool to me is that it's picking up on one of the most basic behaviors of fish, the ability to school. Oh, now, when you mean like, uh, like, uh, like in Finding Dory or Finding Nemo, yes. sorry. Yeah, the uh, John John Ratson Burgers character. He's in every Pixar movie. Yeah, no, it, it's not even just Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. It's just, like, this is what fish do to survive. They will form into groups. Now, what they do in those groups, well, that's where Pokemon kind of took some creative liberties. You see, <laughs> you don't Pokemon, say. Yeah, they decided to turn it into, hey, I'm this hulking monstrosity of fish. I am going to break you in half and eat your bones for calcium. Uh, that is not what schooling fish do. Now, some fish can group up and survive on feeding on other animals. We'll talk about those in a little bit, but most fish form up for safety. Uh, when you're in a school of fish, you are pretty much undetectable to predators because predators can only focus on one singular object at a time. Now, the secret to having this work is by having the ability to communicate. Now, Wishiwashi has two ways of communication. One they mention in the games, and one that they don't, but I assume they have. Number one is their ability to flash their eyes. Uh, so the way they'll call their others is by flashing a light that will attract other Wishiwashi to help them. Now this is cool because the flashlight fish, the flashlight fish, does this really well. It allows it to communicate with all the others of its kind in the area in order to see what's going on, find a mate, see if there's food. So that's something really awesome. Uh, the second is an ability all fish have, uh, their lateral line on their side. Now, do you know what the lateral line does? Uh, it, I did. Give me a second. It, it, uh, it helps them, like, sense things, right? It does. It's their replacement for an ear, since fish can't hear. This allows them the ability to feel vibrations in the water. It allows them to feel what's going on around them. So imagine if you were in a crowd, blindfolded, and you could feel when somebody was coming towards you. You would know... Oh, I would be Daredevil. You would effectively be Daredevil. That is a pretty good way to describe it. Think of it like being Daredevil, where you can just feel if anything is around you. That's how almost all fish are going to survive. Fucky, careful. Being There's in fish nearby. <laughs> what makes it so cool with fish is that they can always feel what's going on around them. That's why they can form these massive, beautiful balls of fish without breaking formation. If some guy's moving left, you're probably going to move left with him. If someone's going to dive in like a dolphin to go get your food and from that ball, you'll probably move right out of the way. Now, luckily, predators found a very simple solution to this problem. Target the weaklings. So find the young, sick, weak, and the old. 
just just chuck them in the way. They'll be fine. With Wishy Washy, um, if you were going to put a scientific spin on it, not all of those fish are perfect. You're going to find at least one of those Wishy Washy that doesn't quite have it anymore. That's older or weaker. That's the weak point. That's the part you hit. Then they'll all start falling apart. So it's kind of like the Death Star, but with fish. Yeah, I don't think that's how the mechanics work, though. Yeah, well, I think I know some modders. They can fix that. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, the last two fish I want to talk about, I want to take a little more serious tone on these guys because they are very important to me. Um, culturally and scientifically, these two fish have something very special for myself. Um, this is the uh, evolutionary line between Carvana and Sharpedo. Now, no matter what anyone thinks of the design, I know you and I both agree Sharpedo could look way cooler. As a shark. Uh, I'm just disappointed that that is like the only shark. <laughs> Yeah, because there's over 400 different species of shark in the oceans today alone. I mean, I guess Garchomp, but I don't, it's hard for me to count Garchomp. Garchomp is a land shark. It's weird. Don't don't question it. Um, so let's start with Carvana. Uh, Carvana is based off a piranha shocker. Uh, piranhas are found in the Amazon River, and they are known um, by both the local people and by anybody who watches a cheap sci-fi movie to be evil monster fish that will feed on anybody who gets in their path, which is... Wait, that movie lied? Don't tell me that. I'm going to tell you that all movies lie. Movies never lie. You be quiet, you. No, no, my animal biology degree does not tell me to be quiet. Uh, with <laughs> with piranhas, they get this reputation of this man-eating psycho fish that groups up specifically to target and kill. And that's just not what piranhas do. The best way I've ever heard someone describe a piranha is, oh, it's just a normal fish, but with sharp teeth. They don't actively go out of their way to ruin things. They're just surviving the best that they can. And what is that? What is that fish with the, the scary teeth? Is that uh, a parrotfish? Uh, so parrotfish are good for crunching up barnacles. Uh, but yeah, ew, they get the scary teeth. Yeah, like if you ever look up a sheep's head tooth, they look like people teeth. Believe me, there are plenty of fish ew. with scary, scary teeth. But it's important to understand ew. that with fish, and especially these guys, they're not monsters. They're not out to get you. Now, these guys in the Pokemon world were shown in Hoenn region, the first Pokedex entries to destroy ships, beat people up, take their money, kill their parents. Uh, but in the newest Pokedex entries, they talk about how this is a much more cowardly species unless they're in a group, which I think is really important to understanding their dynamic. They do not school to kill. Now, if there's a dead thing floating in the water, yeah, they'll go after it. The same way that a guppy will go after a piece of ham you throw in the water, too. This is not a unique thing. If you throw food in the water, fish will come. That's just kind of how they do. If you throw it, they will come. You sound like a Frisbee commercial. Alright, so... Uh, what? So, the next one... Did you not get that one? Hold on, hold uh, on, hold on. I gotta stop this whole podcast. Did you not get that one? I, I got it. I got it. If you build it, they okay. will come. Okay. I know. We're good. Okay, thank you. Good. Let's continue. <laughs> yeah, don't don't cut out on me. Don't get your all my references. But uh, okay. <laughs> but with Sharpedo, um, that's the one I want to talk about the most, and that's one that I have very personally to my heart because I've worked with sharks for my entire career at this point when it comes to working with animals. And one of the things you still get, like thirty years after Jaws and onward, is that people are scared of these animals and the pokedex does not do sharpedos any favor in that regard they talk about how it's well, bully of this people i was gonna say people are so scared i know uh early 19th century they like killed every shark along the jersey coast like they paid money for people to go kill sh like 
it, it's brutal it, how it, how how scared people are of sharks. Now, don't get me wrong. I can understand how some people might have fear just by seeing their appearance, but the fact that people have been getting rid of these animals for long, it's really quite sad. Now, a couple of things they do get right in the Pokemon games. Um, the teeth will constantly fall out. That is a totally true thing about sharks. A shark can lose up to 30,000 teeth in its lifetime. Uh, sharks do have rough skin. It allows them to be more dynamic and allows them to be a little bit rougher to the touch. That's where you get the ability rough skin from on Sharpedo and Garchomp. So sharks do have that power and they also can swim very quickly. A Mako shark can reach speeds of about 43 miles per hour, which isn't the fastest fish, but still faster than I can swim. Uh, but the Pokedex, again, doesn't do it any favors. The Pokedex talks about it being a monster, but the thing I've noticed is that it's getting better. Normally when you hear about environmental messages, people say, oh, it's only getting worse from here. But it's actually getting better for sharks. I get more and more people who come up to me in my work and go, oh my gosh, I love sharks. Do you have one? I want to go see how cool they look. And the Pokedex is catching on to that too. In the Pokedex entries, you can see how they've changed over time to the point that in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon and then Sun and Moon, they talk about how this animal was finned in the past. For those who don't know, shark finning is a very active practice today where people will cut the fins off sharks and ship them usually to the places in China where it's eaten as a soup. This leads to the death of about 80 to 100 million sharks every single year. And we only pass away by, what is it, Matt, like five, six oh, people? It's, it's like, yeah, it's gonna say it's like five or six a year. I think people are killed more by golden retrievers. Golden retrievers, coconuts hitting the head, cell phones, lightning strikes. Like there's so many things that are more dangerous, but because they were dangerous, people didn't care about them. But now that the word is getting out, people are starting to care about them. And the Pokedex is taking a hint at it. And this means a lot to me coming from Pokemon because this is coming from a game in Japan. Now we talked about the fish's diet for Japan, but Japan has not a <laughs> single iota of care. <laughs> for fishing regulation, like, at nope. all. Nope, they are proud of, of how many fish and whales and dolphins they kill. Oh my gosh, yes, like, if you go to one of their, like, famous markets, like, you just walk down the aisle, like, oh, is that whale? Yeah, that's whale. I don't, I don't really want to eat that. Oh, that's the last species of tuna, and that guy is turning it into a soup. So, they... Yeah, it's, it's very, uh... It's a very different culture. So, what is important about all of this is that things are getting better for them. Things are getting better for fish. We were talking a little bit in the beginning about how things are bad, but more people are understanding about sustainable seafood. More people are understanding the use of fish, not just as a food source, but as an economic source. Things like fishing have helped third world countries get up into a little bit of a better place and allow them to have the economy to move forward. Now, what their governments do with that money is up to those governments themselves, but it's still a lot better than it used to be, and it's getting much better for the sharks. Um, Yao Ming, the basketball player, has gone on to do shark finning ads in China to get them to stop, and it's working. So these little bits of media help. It might seem like a silly thing to put in just a video game meant for kids, but it really has impact. Um, your daughter loves sharks, doesn't she? Yeah, like we, yeah. We are, talk about uh, predators a lot at our house. Um, and just because she's an animal fanatic and we talk about uh, the value predators have to an ecosystem and you know she gets really upset when we talk about how how people kill things like sharks we, we talk about it actually pretty pretty often and you know we she recognizes I mean she's only four 
but we can talk about it and she'll recognize you know how important apex predators are to any successful ecosystem it really is one of those important things but i'm hoping that people listening can understand that too because i still got friends who are scared of sharks i offered them a shark swim and everything and they're like nope don't want to do it but you know one step at a time i guess so again that i think that wraps up the fish that we have time for we might be going a little bit over time because how much i love this stuff but you know what later on we'll do a coral reef episode and i get to talk about much more than just the fish, and that's gonna be really really cool but for now let's go ahead and wrap up the episode All right, guys, so thanks again for listening. Again, we always appreciate new and old listeners coming in to listen to us. But before we go, we do have another announcement to make. Yes, that's right. So next month is going to be very special. We will be recording not one, but two episodes. Yes, one episode we'll record just as normal, but the other we will be doing on Facebook Live. We'll be recording an episode with you guys. So come in and join us and chat with us. We want to chat with you guys throughout the episode, and the topic will be... Electric rodents! Yes, for real this time. I'm actually not joking. Uh, we're going to be talking all about the electric rodents, and we have some surprising information to share. Now, uh, we look forward to seeing and hearing all of you as we try something new. So we're going to be recording this Thursday, April 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you can join us uh, from our Facebook page or our Facebook group uh, where we'll post details so that you can join in on all the fun. Um, We will try to put a link up also uh, real quick on iTunes and Podbean. Uh, Just a reminder, uh, a couple days prior to the recording. And don't forget, though, uh, Professor Collins has been working really hard on a really cool episode about economics in the Pokemon world for our regular episode. Um, So in the meantime, the fun doesn't have to end. We're going to be posting photos on Twitter and on Facebook to relate to this episode and future episodes. So you can always comment on those and have fun with us. Yeah, so we're easy to find on social media. You know the drill. We want to hear from you as we continue to grow. And we want to have your input because we are smarter together than we are alone. Yes, and we, of course, have the Twitter, Poke Science Podcast, at Pokemon Science. Drop suggestions for episode or things you want us to talk about. Tweet us about Pokemon you like of any kind, and we'll be there to listen. So uh, subscribe on Podbean or iTunes. Uh, stay up to date on each episode. And please, please, please give us a five-star uh, review. Um, we will pick some uh, each month, and we'll read them for everyone to hear. Um, if any of these are too fancy, as always, the poke science at yahoo.com email is always there for you. Uh, but Facebook is usually the fastest way to reach us. Yeah. Um, so, again, if you're not an 80 year old grandma, you can find the Poke Science page on Facebook and the Science Pokemon group on Facebook as well. Yeah. So, thanks so much for listening to us, guys. Um, do you remember the group is facebook.com slash group slash science Pokemon? Uh, again, we keep driving this home every episode, and that's just because we want to listen to you guys and hear what you have to say. Pokemon is a big community. We just want to hear from at least a small piece of it. And before we go, I have our first review to read, and it is from Overlord Runt 777. He said, I rated five because I can't rate it a hundred. Thank you. We appreciate it. That's nice of him. So thank you for everyone for coming out. Alright, peace out everybody. See you next month. Bye. Bye.